And if you have a Bible with you, then I'm going to uh, share our reading from Colossians chapter 3 and then invite Luke to come and share the message this morning. So we're reading from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. And it's entitled, Living as Those Made Alive in Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Hence, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, anyone help me out? It's a group Bible reading, slave or free, but Christ in all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against anyone, against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you, richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through the psalms and the hymns and the songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God through the Father, through him. Luke, I encourage you to come. Let me pray. Pray for you and pray for us as you share your message this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge in your word. And we pray this morning that each one of us would have open ears and hearts to hear from you. Father God, we pray that you would speak through Luke this morning. Thank you for the gifts that you've given him. And I pray now, Lord, that your word would come alive through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before we get going this morning, two things I absolutely love. I love a baptism service, and I love 
a winning run. Portsmouth Football Club, the greatest football team that has ever graced this planet, are on a 26-game unbeaten run at the moment. They haven't lost since March, and I love it. But I want to talk about our unbeaten run at the moment. We had a baptism service in September. We've had one in October. My question this morning, who's going to be November? Because if you want to follow Jesus, you want to walk in obedience with him, I want to keep this baptistry open. So if you have not been baptised up until this point, come and speak to me or Zoe at the end of the service. We would love to talk about it and see if we can squeeze another one in before Christmas. But let's come round to the word of God uh, right now. And after reading what we've read together this morning, my first question for you as we open this up is, I wonder, what is the most ridiculous thing that you have ever worn has been. For me, I think it came in the summer of 2018. As you will know, before Zoe became a minister here at the church, she was youth and children's pastor at my previous church in Honiton. We called her back in 2018, but it was a real step of faith for us as a church because we were a relatively small church and we didn't have the funds to take on two full-time members of staff. So we called Zoe to this role and we said, right, okay, now God, we're trusting in you and we're going to do some fundraising along the way to make it happen. So I decided I was going to run an inflatable 5K race at West Point Arena. It was a 5K fun run, and every so often there'd be this inflatable obstacle you'd have to climb over to get along the way. And something about me, sometimes I'll come up with ideas off the top of my head, and I won't really think them through. And I stood at the front of church one morning, and I said to the church, because I wasn't really expecting to raise a lot of money from this. After all, it was only 5K to run. I said to the church, I'll tell you what, church, I will run this race in fancy dress, and the more money that we raise, the more ridiculous the costume that I will wear will be. Before the words had even left my mouth, it was as though some people in my church came up to me and they said to me, don't worry, Luke, we'll sort this out for you. We'll come up with a sliding scale of things that you will have to wear the more money that we raise. Now, I love a practical joke, and the problem is, I probably used that a little bit too much. And these people absolutely loved this idea. They were going to come up with this sliding scale of things that I was going to have to wear running this race. It started off fairly okay. Like if I raised up to 500 pounds, I could run it around in my Portsmouth Football Club kit and everything would be all right. But then it got a little bit bonkers after that. And a week before the race, I was sitting fairly pretty. I must admit, I think I've raised about 400 pounds at this point. And up until that point, I meant I could run it in my Portsmouth kit. So I thought, this will be fine. Until someone came up to me a week before the race, and they said to me, Luke, you know I'm not going to allow you to run this in a football kit, don't you? Now, I don't know if they wanted to bless me or bless Zoe at this point, but the reality is they gave a massive gift to the church in order to make the ministry that we were going for happen. And I ended up running this race looking something like this. Now, they say that there's no such thing as an ugly bride. I think I'd probably get rid of that particular thought. But that, you can take it off the screen now. I don't want to have too long. <laughs> I don't want to be reminded of it. That is how I went and run this particular race. Today, as we continue our series looking at the book of Colossians, I want to talk about what, as Christians, we are called to wear. And I don't mean in a physical sense, I mean in a spiritual sense, because what we see from our book today as we look in Colossians is that there is a shift in emphasis to Paul's tone from this point on. 
up until this point, what we have seen as we have looked at and studied together is that there's this, been this emphasis on the supremacy of Christ. That Christ is enough. That he is the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God and that we can put our full trust and our full assurance in him despite what comes our way in life because he is over all and in all. But as we turn our attentions to chapter 3 together today, we see a more practical tone to what Paul is saying and writing. You see, it's one thing to believe that Christ is who he says he is. It's one thing to sit here today and to listen to a sermon and every so often maybe nod in approval to something that you agree with. But unless what we read and what we hear ultimately leads to life change, does it really matter anyway? Jesus never said, I have come to give you life and a new theology. Jesus never said, I have come to give you life and a new understanding. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness. But what does that mean practically for us today? Well, I believe Colossians chapter 3 begins to give us some clues. But before we open up this particular scripture together, I want to turn our attention to another scripture one of my favorite scriptures, probably something that I've preached on more than anything, and it's found in John chapter 11, and it's the story of a man called Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and he got sick. We're not talking man flu, he got really sick. And then a message was sent to Jesus to tell Jesus that his friend wasn't very well. Jesus says, this won't end in death, don't worry. And what does Jesus do? He stays where he is for three more days. It does end in death at that point anyway. Lazarus dies. His body is put in a tomb. He starts stinking and rotting because of the temperature of the, where he was. And then Jesus moves. Jesus gets to where Lazarus' body is laying. And his sisters come out to greet him, Lazarus' sisters. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, if you had only been here, if you had only come sooner, you could have sorted all this out and we wouldn't have had to go through the heartache of losing our brother. Jesus goes to where the tomb is and he tells the people there to remove the stone. People are up in arms. They're saying, you can't say that, Jesus. This is going to stink. He's been in there for a number of days now. But the stone was removed and Jesus calls out. He calls Lazarus' name and what happens is that Lazarus comes back to life. Three days he'd been dead, rotting in a tomb, yet at the voice of Jesus he is brought back from the dead. And he comes out of that tomb that day. And when he does, he doesn't come out leaping and bounding free as a bird. He comes out restricted, wrapped in grave clothes and layers and layers of perfume and everything that had been put around his body. You see, what had happened to Lazarus in that moment is that recomposition had happened when he came back to life. Jesus calls and life comes. And he comes out of the tomb, and even though he was alive again, he was still bound and wrapped in all the things which had restricted him in death. And when he comes out, it looks like something from a horror movie. And then Jesus turns to the crowd, and he says to the crowd, you remove the grave clothes. As we unpack the practicalities of Colossians together today, I want that imagery to be in our mind of Lazarus because in many respects, this is where a lot of Christians find themselves. You see, we were once dead and when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, new life was given. And so many Christians, 
never really get beyond that point. They never really experience everything that Christ has to offer them because they're still bound in the grave clothes of their sin, of their addictions, of their habits that have enslaved them in the past. I wonder how many of us are like Lazarus, who we've been made alive, but we still stink. That we have been brought back to life, but we are liberated. How many of us, I wonder, have some grave clothes in our own lives to lose today because they still surround us from the past? This is the fundamental thrust of what we're talking about today. If you want to experience the life-changing impact that Jesus can give, it starts with taking off the grave clothes. Verses 9 and 10 say this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator. The message version of the Bible puts it like this, Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. You see, when you became a Christian, you were delivered from the penalty of sin. In other words, you were completely forgiven and you were freed from the penalty of hell. But whilst that penalty of sin has been removed from your life and you no longer have a sinful nature, the presence of sin is still very much a reality. And Paul himself recognizes that and that it's a problem that all Christians still face when he says this in Romans chapter 7. I find myself doing the things that I do not want to do. I have a desire to do what is right, but sometimes I don't. He cried out, who shall release me from this body of death? Can you identify with that, I wonder? I know that I can. I long, I long to be more like Jesus. I long to live differently in certain areas of my life. And yet all too often I find myself struggling with certain issues, certain sins in my life which seem to always be there. The simple fact is that only Jesus can get rid of the sin which entangles our life. And what Paul shows us here in Colossians chapter 3 is that there are a number of sins that as Christians we need to throw off and walk away from, like those dirty grave clothes that Lazarus had bound around him. You know, when we talk about sin, we often talk about sin in general terms, don't we? But what we see in the Bible is that the Bible doesn't shy away from calling out sins and mentioning sins by name. And in many respects, the call here in the book of Colossians is that if we want to be people who live in the freedom that Christ offers us, we have to put away the earthly urges that we so often find ourselves entangled with. Paul writes in Colossians 3 verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed which is idolatry. That's a pretty strong list of sins there, isn't it? And you might be sitting here this morning and you might hear those words and think, well, I'm not involved in any of that. None of those things are any problem in my life. This message obviously doesn't apply to me. I can sit back, kick back, think about my roast chicken, which is coming later, and let the rest of the message pass me by. 
Maybe, though, the next part of this passage might speak to you a little bit more. We read these words in Colossians 3, verse 8. Rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. The word anger here is the word thumos, which means a a build-up of pressure from below the surface, a violent outburst, if you like, a temper tantrum, maybe. Malice means how we treat someone and how we act towards someone in our heart towards another person. Slander is an attack on a person's character, whispering behind their back, suggesting ideas which may hurt their reputation. Filthy language and lies are also mentioned here. Most of these sins have something to do with how we speak, how we say, and how we treat other people. It's interesting, isn't it? When we look at these two lists of sins, which are written here in the book of Colossians, even if we struggle with some of these things, we're probably quick to condemn those who struggle with things on that first list, that sexual immorality, impurity, and all of those sort of things. But some reason... We often give people a free pass when they struggle with things on the second list. It's almost as if we have this kind of double standard going on when it comes to sin. But here's the thing, all sin stinks. And it's God's heart that we rid ourselves of it. That it no longer entraps us and enslaves us. That we get rid of those dirty grave clothes. Sometimes we try to excuse a person's behavior, don't we? We say things like, well, they're just under a lot of pressure at work at the moment. They've got a lot of things going on in their life right now. They've got a lot of issues that they're dealing with. But I don't think this passage allows us to get away with it and give people a free pass. That's why verse 11 says there's no... Greek or Jew, barbarian or the word that Zoe struggled with, slave or free. So we can't say, well, I am blunt. That's just the way I am. And if you don't like it, you're going to have to deal with it. Or I might be a bit rude, but that's how my parents brought me up. So that's just my nature. I can't stop it. Scripture makes it clear that when we come to Christ, we are a new creation that we leave our old life behind and we take hold of what Jesus has given us. So let me challenge you. How have you acted towards other people this week? How have you spoken words of life over other people? How have you encouraged people and built them up rather than tear them down? Friends, the point simply is this. God has so much more that he wants for you. He has so much more that he wants you to experience. He genuinely wants you to know life and life in all its fullness. But all the time we live with our old habits of the past, we never truly enter the fullness of what Christ has for us now. And the call of Scripture today is quite simple. That sin, those grey clothes that have bound you, discard them. Let them go. Put them away. They're no longer who you are. And be who you have been created to be, a new creation in him, and put on new clothes. Verses 10 to 13 says, and have put on your new self, once you have put on your new self, which being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, here there is no more Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but all in Christ and all is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, I wonder if anyone has a grievance against someone in this place today and you need to go and say sorry or you need to ask for forgiveness. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What does it look like to put on new clothes? Well, first and foremost, what we see from our passage today is that putting on these new clothes in Scripture is a command, and it's a conscious decision. We have to choose to put on our new self. The simple fact is we are actually powerless to change ourselves. There is nothing that we can do to make ourselves who God calls us to be. But we do have to be people who are willing to change. So therefore, it starts with a conscious decision to say, I am taking off the old and I am putting on the new. When you got up this morning to come to church, my guess is that the majority of people here in this place didn't wake up and were automatically ready and dressed to come to church. Whether you realize it or not, you had to make a conscious decision to take off your PJs and to put on clothes which were appropriate to come out and come to church in. The issue is, though, isn't it? For some of us, probably for all of us, sometimes our PJs just feel a little bit too comfortable. You know, my kids, they would live in football shirts and basketball shirts if you gave them a choice the whole time. And the problem with boys living in football shirts is that they get extremely muddy and extremely smelly and extremely dirty. But even in the midst of their filth, They'd rather keep these shirts on at times until you get to a point where you say, boys, you have really got to change because you stink. And it's the same with our old clothes and our old self. If we're honest, if we're truly honest, sometimes the reason that we don't allow ourselves to change or allow Jesus to change us is that taking off the old and putting on the new is often an uncomfortable feeling. But let me tell you something this morning, church. It is so worth it to ultimately know the genuine life change that only Jesus can bring. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you ready and willing to change? Because that's the first place this starts today. Secondly, if we're going to be people who put on those new clothes, it involves a continual process. Verse, uh, chapter 3 and verse 10 calls us to be renewed in knowledge. And being renewed gives this idea that it's not something which happens instantly. Coming back to that story of Lazarus for a second, when Christ made him alive, recomposition happened in his life, but he didn't lose those grave clothes until Jesus commanded those around him to come and help take off the grave clothes. And that's a picture for us today. You see, when you come to Christ, you are made alive in him. And over the course of your lifetime, we need the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us remove those grave clothes and be renewed to be the people that God calls us to be, more like Jesus. So today, you may well confess your sins before God. And then find yourself falling and failing again tomorrow. Let me tell you something. You are not a failure. God's grace is sufficient for you. This walk of holiness is a process. But the encouragement is that we need to pursue the walk of holiness with everything that we have. Putting off those old grave clothes and putting on the new clothes that Christ 
gives us finally means discovering our purpose in Christ as well. Colossians 3 verse 10 again says that our purpose is found in the image of the creator. When God first made humanity, he made us in his image. We were called to reflect the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the love of our creator. But sin got in the way. And as a result of sin getting in the way, that image of God in us became tarnished and distorted. The purpose of salvation is to recreate that image within us again. The purpose of salvation is not simply to go to heaven when you die. If that was the case, we might as well shoot people as soon as they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But the purpose of our salvation is so much more than that. We can read about it in Romans 8, 28 to 29, and it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God wants you to change in every way to become more like Jesus and to make you the person that God has created you to be. That means taking off the old clothes and putting on Christ. Coming back to that story of Lazarus, you know, he was made alive before he was cleaned up. And that's exactly what happens to us as well. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Notice that the scripture doesn't say, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience to become God's chosen people. It starts with saying, therefore, as God's chosen people. If you are here today and you are a Christian, you are one of God's chosen people. How awesome is that? But because you are one of God's chosen people, because he has done this for you, don't keep those dirty, stinking grave clothes on any longer. All they will do is entangle you and weigh you down. You'll constantly find yourself in a place of despair and heartache. So today, choose to take them off and put on everything that Christ has for you. It might feel uncomfortable, but it is so worth it. I'm going to finish by turning our attention to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. And as I read this, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We read these words in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race with perseverance marked out before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you might not grow weary and lose heart. 